As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to the Next Level Leading Podcast, where we help leaders grow and get better. I'm your host, Sean, and in today's episode, we're talking about the principle of preparation. As we're walking through this four-part series on important principles of leadership, Our last episode, we talked about the principle of being committed. So just to quickly recap, let me review a couple of important aspects of that principle. Commitment happens when there is clarity of purpose with invested passion. Passion being when somebody is excited about something. So we we could even restate it by saying commitment happens when there's clarity of purpose with invested excitement. So in other words, when there's alignment between the head and the heart, understanding why something's important and the excitement around the activity of what you're doing, that's when you get excitement. We took the time to look in scripture at Matthew 16, 24, where Jesus calls to those who want to be his disciples. And he said, they must deny themselves. In other words, a willing sacrifice on a person's part. They must pick up their cross a sense of purpose, and follow me. A level of investment that goes beyond just involvement. So a real commitment isn't something we do when we feel like it or when it's convenient. We do it because we want to move forward. We want to move from average to excellent. We want to move from ordinary to extraordinary. And we also talked about how when we decide to make a commitment, it will often call us to a greater sense of purpose while demanding that we remain determined to follow through on that commitment all the way to the end. Because if you remember, we said a commitment that isn't held to completion is no commitment at all. In other words, it's better not to have made a commitment than to make one and not see it to the end. Now this week, I want to transition, but they're kind of, you know, interwoven with one another. This idea of be committed and be prepared. So I want to talk about the importance of preparation. And the principle is be prepared. Now I've learned the importance of this principle years ago when I decided that I wanted to run a marathon. I was really into running at that point and I was looking for that, like, that next challenge. 
and I'd always wanted to run a marathon. So, you know, I said, hey, you know what? This must be the perfect time. I'll, I'll Let me do this. So I signed up for a race in August, and I started training for it uh, sometime in May, maybe, you know, mid-May. Now, I had a little bit of a foundation in that I had competed in some other races up to this point, but nothing at the length of a marathon. I had some equipment, you know, running shorts and shirts and shoes, and I even think at that point I had a, a, a watch. So to say I was somewhat prepared would be fair. Where my mistake came in, though, was I didn't fully count the cost of what it was going to take to be totally prepared to run a full marathon. I would go on runs throughout the week. I would run up to five times a week, always, you know, increasing my distance here and there, but not really following any kind of workout plan, just doing my own thing based on what I thought was the right thing. And over the months, I increased my mileage. And at my peak, I think the longest run I accomplished was about 18 miles. Now, keep in mind, a marathon is 26.2 miles. And please, never underestimate that .2 miles, especially when you're at the end of 26. So to only get in 18 miles one time isn't exactly being prepared. So the day of the race, and that morning, I was full of nerves and excitement. But when I had finally arrived at the race site, the reality of how unprepared I was began to sink in. See, I barely made the start line on time. And then early on in the the race, I kind of got swept up in the excitement, and and I think my pace was a little bit faster than what I had trained at. And, you know, that kind of has typically one of the main mistakes most people run. Or, or, or commit when they're running. And so, you know, I was feeling good. I'm running. I was full of energy. And I thought, man, I got this. No problem. Well, as the day went on and the mileage increased, the lack of preparation became more evident. The struggle that I endured over the last 10 miles was something that I'll never, ever forget. Now, I did finish that day. And yet, to this date, that is the very worst time I've ever recorded of the seven marathons I've run. Given how ill-prepared I was, and the ensuing soreness and pain I experienced, it's crazy to even think I decided to run a marathon again. But here's why preparation is such an important principle. Preparation is the tangible expression of commitment both before and after. Let me say that again because it's that important. Preparation is the tangible expression of commitment both before and after. Now, here's what I mean by that. If you haven't prepared before commitment, you won't make it. If you're not prepared after making the commitment, you won't keep it. Now, let me say that again because it's so important to understand how the principle of preparation, of being prepared, and the principle of commitment are so intertwined. They are aligned with one another. Preparation is both the before and after a commitment. If you haven't prepared before a commitment, you won't make it. And if you haven't prepared, if you're not prepared, sorry, if you're not prepared after making the commitment, you won't keep it. So let's dive a little bit deeper 
and jump into some scripture to illustrate the importance of preparation as it relates to commitment and the importance of it in the realm of leadership. And so today we're going to be in a couple of places in scripture and we'll look at Luke 14 as Jesus addresses a crowd. But I want to start by taking a look at Matthew 25. This is the parable of the ten virgins, and again, just a little background for contextual purposes. Jesus Jesus is sitting up on the Mount of Olives with his disciples, and he's talking to them. It's toward the end of his ministry, so he's trying to prepare them for life after him by emphasizing the importance of being prepared. So let's pick up in Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. And at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all of the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. In other words, they, you know, they lit them, they got them going, they got the light going. And the foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us, for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell the oil and buy some for yourself. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with them to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door to us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the hour or the day. Now, what's really interesting about this parable is how in the very beginning, this group, this 10, they're identified into two smaller groups as one as being foolish and the other as being wise. And we very quickly understand the reason for these labels and the reason why they were categorized that way the foolish ones brought lamps but no extra oil unprepared the wise ones brought their lamps and extra oil they were prepared it kind of goes along with the with a quote that i've heard several times over the years and it gets attributed to different people so i'll just call it author unknown but it goes along this lines It's better to be prepared for an opportunity that does not happen than to be unprepared for an opportunity that does happen. That has been such a guiding statement on preparation for me over the years. The quote just highlights the importance of this parable perfectly. The wise group, they were prepared and the opportunity happened. While the other group, the foolish group, they were unprepared and it cost them an opportunity. It cost them in an experience. It cost them so much simply because they were unprepared. The group that was prepared, they were able to enjoy the fruits of their labor, the fruits of their preparation. They were able to go into the wedding banquet with the bridegroom and enjoy the celebration. 
But on the other hand, the wise group, they got shut out. They had to go waste time, spend time buying their oil, and they missed the opportunity in a huge way. Now, I think if we're all honest, we can remember at least an opportunity or two that have come up where we missed it because we weren't prepared. Or an experience, we didn't fully get the entire benefit from it because we weren't prepared for it. And one of the biggest reasons people are unprepared is because they often fail to count the cost. They fail to understand and think through the details of what a commitment costs. Now, for me, going back to the marathon fail, I didn't exactly take into account what it was going to cost me to actually run a marathon. I was actually naive to think that over the course of four months, maybe three and some change, that consistent running would be enough and covering and covering my longest distance of 18 miles would be sufficient. In reality, there's, there isn't a whole lot of difference between my mistake preparing for a marathon and the group of foolish ones who failed to bring oil as they waited for the bridegroom. They had failed to count the cost of what was necessary to be prepared. And in the case, he was delayed and they missed out. It's better to be prepared for an opportunity that does not happen than to be unprepared. Sorry, it's better to be prepared for an opportunity that does not happen than to be unprepared for one that does. So let's do this. Let's flip over to Luke 14 and see how Jesus speaks into this idea of counting the cost. It's almost like how you prepare to be prepared. Our preparation requires preparation. Now, in this section of scripture, it's more than just the disciples. It's a large crowd that's traveling with Jesus. And he's teaching them. And finally, he's, he says to them, starting in Luke verse 28, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Wouldn't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war and against another king. Won't, the fir- won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able to, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. Now see, counting the cost of commitment is the first step in preparation. As you need to know what's going to be involved right from the start. In other words, you don't start a project or you don't start training for a marathon if you don't start if you don't start or get involved with understanding the, you know, the expectations of the commitment and count the cost of the commitment. So, you know, it's, it's almost like I want to go all the way right back to the very beginning of the talk. If you don't count the cost of the commitment, you won't, before you make it, you won't make it. 
right? And if you're not prepared after you make it, you won't keep it. So here's a really important aspect of preparation. And we see it in the latter part of the illustration Jesus gives us. As the king is trying to consider whether he's able to go to war against another king. When he counts the cost, as he's thinking through it, as he's trying to prepare, when he counts the cost and understands whether or not they're adequately prepared, it allows him to make adjustments. It allows him to say, we're not prepared. We're not able to do this. So wait, let me adjust away from war and see what I can do about making peace. See, when you work to be adequately prepared, when you have taken the time to count the cost, when you understand what's going to be required, it affords you the ability to be flexible. It affords you the ability to adjust. It affords you the ability to pivot. I mean, let's just think about the past couple of months during this COVID pandemic. Many businesses, companies, churches, schools, families were not prepared for what happened with the shutdowns. Now, some may say that's unfair because who would have ever been ready or could have been ready for a shutdown? And, and I get that. But there were those people that were ready, that were thinking, they were counting the cost of what would it what would it you know, take to move to a virtual platform or live a little bit more online or think about some of these things like to take advantage of being prepared in terms of everyday life. Those people, those companies, those organizations, they were ready to pivot and adjust. They were ready to be flexible when things went crazy compared to those who never took the time to even think about it, never even took the time to invest in any kind of preparation. They couldn't see it coming, and when it came, they weren't prepared. When we exercise this principle of be prepared, it's such a guiding principle. It's such an important value. It doesn't matter the circumstances. When you execute, when you exercise this, you're positioning to be ready to make necessary adjustments. And this is so crucial for us as leaders but again, this is transferable principle, not just for leadership, but for life. And there are so many areas of our lives that if we exercise a little bit more preparation, life would be a whole lot less aggravating, frustrating, and we would probably make far fewer mistakes and miss far fewer opportunities. Or just think about it for, for those of you that are, that are leaders in, in the student ministry. When you've taken the time to prepare and you understand what the lesson is and, and, and where the questions are, are guiding the conversation. If you're prepared, when you get into that group time, when you're when you're ready to, you know, you're leading that group. If you're prepared and things have a tendency to kind of squirrel off as as things can happen when you're leading middle school and high school students, you're prepared. You have a better idea of how to adjust, how to pivot. And it's okay because you have prepared. Right? And so this is, again, it's such an important principle, right? And it's intertwined with commitment. And it's, and it's one of those principles that it's not just in leadership, but it's life. It's so important. It crosses all spectrums, whether, you know, you, whether you're at work, whether you're at school, whether you're at home. And so what I want to do is take a few minutes here and just um, 
kind of say, all right, so how can we do this? Kind of what's the application? We understand the importance of being prepared. We've illustrated it through scripture. But what can we do to be more prepared? So let me share with you a couple of suggestions. And one, it's the first one, it's something that I've already been talking to because it's such an important part of preparation. But number one, count the cost ahead of time. In other words, know the steps of the details. And here's what I mean by that. Right? If you know you want to run a marathon, 26.2 miles, understand the progression. Understand what it's going to take to be adequately prepared to run that race successfully. How many miles do I need to run? What's the longest run I need to cover and how many times do I need to do it? How many times a week should I be running? How do I taper off the closer I get to the race? What should I eat? Knowing the steps helps you better understand the details when it comes to counting the cost ahead of time. All right, so count the cost ahead of time. Number two, start with the end in mind. All right, number two, start with the end in mind. Again, I I just want to keep using this illustration of the marathon. The end in mind was to be able to complete the marathon in 26.2 miles. And my goal time was like three hours and 45 minutes. That was my end goal. I started with that in mind. You know, and and once I understand the end goal, then I can go back to the first step. I work backwards. And I can understand the steps and I know the details so much better. I can estimate and understand and count the cost ahead of time so much better if I start with the end in mind. And, and it's interesting because sometimes I think we feel like this is kind of counterintuitive, you know, start with the end and work backwards. But, but let, me, let me shift your thinking a little bit here. Picture yourself going on vacation and, and you're packing up based upon where you're going, right? You're not going to bring a beach chair and boogie boards if you're going to the mountains for a week of hiking. And conversely, I'm not going to bring a bunch of hiking boots if I'm going to spend a week at the beach. So start with the end in mind because that also helps you count the cost ahead of time. So count the cost ahead of time is number one. Number two, start with the end in mind. Number three, take inventory of the process. Here's Here's what I mean by that. Know what you have and know what you need to start and execute the process of preparation. I knew I had shoes. I knew I had running shorts. I knew I had a shirt. What I didn't take into account, the inventory I didn't take was the training plan, the food, the supplements, so on and so forth. You're getting ready for a vacation, right? Take inventory. What do you need? I know I'm going to the beach. I'm going to need beach chairs. Me, I also need a lot of sunscreen, right? So take inventory of the process. Know what you need, know what you have, and know what you need to start and execute the process. Number four, avoid false starts, right? Avoid false starts. Engage in enough adequate preparation before starting the process, right? This goes back to you. sometimes we need to prepare even just to prepare, Go back to what what Jesus said in Luke 14. If you lay the foundation and you're unable to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you. 
saying the person began to build and wasn't able to finish. So make sure when you start the process, you're going to be able to finish the process. Avoid the false start because this ultimately speaks into the principle that we'll get into in a couple of weeks of that of integrity, right? So make sure you avoid false starts because you don't want that to become your reputation because then ultimately that's how people will look at you and they feel like they won't be able to rely upon you. So avoid the false starts, you know, engage enough in the adequate preparation before you start the process. Number five, keep a consistent timeline. Keep a consistent timeline. Here's, here's what I mean by that. The better prepared we are, the better we can manage our time. If you prepare, you do a little bit over a long period of time, it's so much better because it helps you with clarity and specifics than if you try to do a lot in a little bit of time. And where this really comes home and where I really think about this is like if you're, tra- if you're planning for an event or you're on a project, And if you do just a little bit of each day, you commit a little bit of preparation each day, it it gives you more space, not only to be flexible, but you, you can think with more clarity and you can dive into more with specifics. So think about it like this. I'll go back to my vacation analogy. When those vacations were, you know, we're leaving on a Saturday and I'm frantically packing the car and everything that we're doing on the Friday night before, I inevitably do not pack right where I forget something. But when I start packing on Tuesday or Wednesday and I take a, a number of days, oh man, it's, I'm, I'm thinking with so much more clarity. I can understand what I really need and what I really don't need. It helps me take inventory of the process, right? Um, so there we go. Number five, keeping the consistent timeline, all right? Uh, last one, and we're really wrapping up our time here. The last one. Um, allow for flexibility and response to real-time crisis. Okay, so this is this is this is the last one, and, and here's what I mean. This is another important piece of how I think being prepared shows up, or maybe conversely, when people are ill-prepared, they're unable to properly respond to a crisis. Being prepared allows you to pivot to to and respond in a way that keeps you moving forward. I'm sure all of us have seen or read stories over the past several months during this crisis that or maybe we've even personally walked through. And for some may continue to be walking through where where, you know, we, we just weren't prepared for something that happened. We weren't able to make the adjustment. It was really hard, you know, to pivot or to be flexible and to respond in the appropriate way. Especially when things don't go as planned. And if you've been a leader, even for the shortest amount of time, you know that things aren't always going to go as planned. And so you need to be prepared. How do you do it? Count the cost ahead of time. Start with the end in mind. Take inventory of the process. Know what you have and know what you need. Right. Avoid false starts. Keep a consistent timeline that allows you to manage your time a little bit better and allow for flexibility and response to real-time crisis. Remember, preparation is a tangible expression of commitment. Principle one, be committed. 
Principle two, be prepared. They're aligned. They're intertwined. Right? A commitment helps us know why, what, and how is involved in the process of preparation. It gives us a framework to work with. And if preparation is the tangible expression of commitment, once you've made that decision, once you've said, hey, I'm going to commit to that project or I'm going to commit to that race or I'm going to commit to whatever it is, the principle of being in, in, being prepared is immediately invoked in the process of commitment. If you're not prepared before the commitment, you won't make it. If you're not prepared after the commitment, you won't keep it. We can never underestimate what a commitment will cost us and Poor commitment always shows up in the lack of preparation. As leaders, parents, teachers, whatever the role or platform you have, please, please, please invest the time into being prepared. Better to be prepared for an opportunity that does not happen than to be unprepared for one that does. Guys, thanks for taking the time to drop in and listen. And uh, if you could do me a favor, hit the uh, subscribe button, the you know the thumbs up or download it, so we can have a greater optimization. And if you're looking for, for looking for we're looking for sorry more information uh, on or insights and inspiration into all things leadership, be sure to check out my blog site at uh, nextlevelleading.org. So until next time, give your best, do your best, so you can be your best for you and for those that you lead and serve. Take care, guys. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.